0: Welcome to the very first episode of My Best Fail. I'm your host, Diana Lanham, and I am so excited that you joined us today. For our very first episode, we're kicking it off with a story of transformation through bravery, perseverance, and grit. Please welcome my guest, Sheree Bautista. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Good. So, Sheree, I'm so happy that your story is the one that we're going to be sharing for our very first episode. Because I don't know if you know this, I think you do, that your story was the spark that created this whole thing for me. Yes. Yes. I remember that you and I um, were met for coffee because I was going to get the backstory story from you about announcement that you had just made on Facebook. Yep. And this, again, this was a couple years ago. And you had announced that you graduated. right? And so since I've known you as an accountant and all things finance, I assumed that you were getting like a second degree, right? I thought, okay, maybe one big degree, a master's or a second degree. I was so excited. And so we were meeting and I was going to celebrate you and talk about it. And then I remember when I asked you about it and what the degree was and what your answer was, it was astonishing. Yep. And so your story was the inspiration for all of this happening. It's awesome. Yeah. So let's start off with going back to your journey. Yeah. All right? So the journey that you had prior that led up to you having your graduation, and you can tell us all about that. And then we'll talk about after you had that moment that made you realize you needed to pivot and change, and how it led you to where you're at right now. OK. OK. So why don't you talk to us about, first, what the announcement was. Yes and then we'll kind of delve a little bit deeper and we'll go into your background and find out why it even happened.
1: Okay. Well, um, my announcement was that I graduated and received my GED. I
0: was so (laughs) shocked by that. That's crazy.
1: Yes, three years ago, um, 2019, I got my GED. Um, It's something that I've had nagging at me and held over my head for a long time.
0: So, when you, when you decided that you were going to post that on Facebook, I'm assuming that was going to open up a can of worms for people, mm-hmm. you know, because, again, people thought you were in the finance world and mm-hmm. doing accounting, and then now you're telling us that you didn't even have a high school education. Okay. I mean, how did you even get those jobs?
1: Um, a lot of people didn't really ask, um, and a lot of times you just have to put on applications that you graduated,
0: so you don't have to say you received a diploma or anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's okay let's do, dig a little bit deeper into that. One, I want to find out why you never got your GED, mm-hmm. and two, how did you go about even on your your first jobs and and how you started going into the finance field or the accounting field? Like, mm-hmm. how did you even know that that was something that you were good at? Um, but let's go back to why you didn't graduate.
1: Well. Uh, I mean, it all stems from childhood, right? So um, when you talk about struggles and childhood, everybody has a rough childhood, right? Um, Not everybody does. Well, (laughs) okay, well, I had a rough childhood. um, And needless to say, sometimes I feel like I'm lucky to be alive today. And, and, you know, I've told you everything, um, and I'm going to, you know, come... clean with a lot of your viewers to help them open up. My first interaction with abuse was when I was three. Um, My mother's uh, boyfriend put me in a bathtub of scalding hot water and burnt my feet um, to the point of um, I was in the hospital and still have scars on my feet, still have a hard time getting in hot water and hot tubs. Um, So that was... The first start of many abuses that I went through, um, you know, my dad got custody of me through that process because my mom had custody of me during that time. And then my dad won custody of me. I was were you? S- um, I was three and a half when he won custody of me. And I moved to Colorado with him. And from my youngest memory of growing up with my dad, drugs were always his primary responsibility his money went to drugs and then what was left over went to feeding me and you know I remember at night like crying in my room because I could hear him smoking a bong or getting high or whatever choking and just wishing that it didn't have to be like that um neighbors feeding me and clothing me for school to you know as I got older his friends making advances to me and having him not do anything about it and, you know, neighbors being peeping Toms and having him not do anything about it to just him meeting a girlfriend at when I was 14 and moving out of the house and leaving me in a house with no food, no nothing, just here's your house. And, Wait, what do you mean? Yeah, he um, moved out and didn't tell me. And, and you were 14? 14. Mm-hmm. Freshman in high school. And I was forced to fend myself. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, <laughs> I mean, if, I, I know what 14 is. I can't even imagine. And so you were left in this house by yourself? Yeah. With no means of no job, no money, no job, nothing?
1: No. Of course, you're too young to get a job. So the only way that I could survive at that time was to basically have parties at my house where people brought beer and food so that I could eat. Of course, if you have beer and food, you have other problems that come, right? Where you're asking for sexual assault and other problems that come into the house just so that you could eat. So all these things are happening and, you know... You call CPS because you have no father in the house and they're not doing anything because you have lights, you have
0: water, you have the basic necessities. So what happened to the house? I mean, who was paying the mortgage on the house? or the My rent dad the was. Oh, so he just left you, but he was still paying the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So you had, he was paying for electric and...
1: Mm-hmm. He was paying for electric until he stopped paying for electric.
0: And how long was that? Um, it was about 10 months. So you lived for almost a year by yourself, and fending by yourself. Mm-hmm. He probably assumed he was taking care of you because you had a roof over your head? Pretty much. Yeah. And were you going to school? I was
1: at that point. hmm hate sure. Yeah.
0: That's so sad.
1: Yeah. And then um, once I turned 15 um, is when he stopped paying the electric. And I was able to call CPS because he stopped paying the electric, which meant that I didn't have the basic necessities. And since I was 15, I was legally allowed to ask to be emancipated. So CPS actually got involved. They <laughs> they got involved so much so that they would not emancipate me. But instead, they required that him... And his new wife, because they had gotten married during that 10 months, and her four kids move into the house. Now I go from nobody in the house to this new family that hates me because I uprooted their their whole life to move in with me. And then I got them in trouble because I risked her kids being taken away from her by calling CPS. Oh, my God. And so it was uh, the victim being victimized. It was hell. yeah it was hell.
0: How long did you stay with that, with living with them? Not long. yeah, I can't imagine.
1: Mm-mm. No. I um, moved in with a boyfriend at that time. Um, I got a job and I have been working ever since.
0: So that's why did you quit school? mm hmm I'm surprised because I would have thought that going to school would be a safety thing for you. But if you have to work because you have nothing, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they either have to quit school so that they can support uh, the rest of their family, their siblings and their parents. Yeah. Or they're just left to them, you know, to their own devices and they have to do that. Yeah.
1: I had had to survive. And if I wanted to stay in school, it would have been, there would have just been, no way for me to continue to live in that house the way that I was being treated. It was just no no functional way because I was 100% being outcast and bullied, so much so that the last time that I saw my dad, we had went on a family trip to North Dakota or South Dakota, I don't remember which one, Um, to go on a family trip to see her side of the family and her daughter, which was two years younger than me, was pregnant. And, um, mind you, I'm maybe 16 ish, close to 16. I I think I was still in the 15s at this time, just getting ready to turn 16. She was probably just 14, just turned 14. So my dad's wife had had way too much to drink. And as I told you, my dad doesn't stand up for me at all. She got drunk and started just going to town on me, calling me a whore. just In front of her family? In front of her family. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because stuff that she does at home is okay, right? I mean, it's not, but... It's not in front of the whole world. Yeah. But to go in front of all these people that I don't know, right, and to go off like that, and then to tell me that I'm a whore. (laughs) And hello, your daughters. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that you allowed a man to move out on his kid to move in with you. So there's so many things that I could have said but I'm a lot more mature. Well, Unless you're a I, like, little kid, feeling,
0: right? You're mm-hmm. Still, you're a little kid. I know that you just turned 16, but that is a little kid. We both know we have children. Mm-hmm. How young that is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I am sorry. And it is surprising that a mother with four of her own children thought it was okay for a boyfriend to just abandon his child. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry about that. I've known little bits about about that, and I just, I'm so sad. When did they, um, like, when did you leave? Did you leave on this trip?
1: Yeah, so actually um, that next morning was my dad's birthday, and I woke up, and um, I said, Happy birthday, Dad. I'm hitching a ride back to Colorado. And I did. I hitchhiked and got a ride back to Colorado. Oh, my God. And um, Just the
0: fact that you survived that.
1: Yes. Oh, that's not even the part. (laughs) That's just, yeah. I mean, I wasn't crazy, but I was determined to get away. I was blinded to any fears at that time. I just had to get away, you know. But yes, I hitchhiked back to Colorado. I got home safely. I packed up my car and I literally drove.
0: And And Where did you go?
1: (laughs) Um, So, Colorado, I went north on, I forget what highway it was, I don't know what state, one of the states, Um, you can either go left or right, and I chose left, and I just kept driving until I got to Redmond.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. And that's how you ended up here? That's how I ended up here. What did you do for gas, money, and food and everything? I had some saved
1: up because I was working. I worked at, I was a manager at Hollywood Video at the time. So I made pretty decent money, but yeah. And then two days here, I was sleeping in my car. And the second day here, I got a job delivering auto parts. And that's how I survived.
0: Oh my God. And you were only 16 years old. And also I'm sure, you know, having that kind of trauma and abuse and stuff, there's a whole host of demons that go with that, Mm -hmm. that you have to battle on a daily basis. So yeah. you're dealing with that, dealing and worrying about money and, and you were sleeping in your car. Mm-hmm. You're lucky that you're alive.
1: Yeah, I look back at it now and I'm just like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> I cannot believe that you made it safely. That's still, I, I'm, every time you tell me that, I'm always shocked by that. I cannot believe you hitchhiked, hitchhiked all the way and you made it safely.
1: Yeah, in this world today, I don't know that that, I, I like as an adult, like I look back at that and it's like, what was I
0: thinking? Yeah,
1: especially as a teen like a female teenager. But you were just surviving;
0: it's, it's you were getting all it was. out of a situation that was probably just as bad as the thought of hitchhiking across a couple states, mm-hmm. right? And plus, you're sixteen; you don't know. Yeah, I mean, as much as I you mean, know, knew, you don't know.
1: I knew, right? I knew the risks because I had already been
0: in bad situations.
1: In bad situations, I already, I had already been through a sexual assault. So I was like, I can stay here, or I can go through it again. And I was like, okay, let's go. It's oh so funny. so sad. You laugh because it's I either know. laugh or cry, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, okay, so now you're in Redmond, and you're 16 mm-hmm. years old. And so what does your world look like? What what happened then?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I was just delivering auto parts and I was asking the mechanics if I could, you know, if they had a couch I could sleep on or room I could rent or anything. A couple of the mechanics were like, yeah, you know, go ahead. And we just moved into a place. Let me ask the my roommates if, you know, you can bunk on our couch until you find a place. And um, so they said yes. And so I bunked on their couch.
0: And found a place. Again, you're lucky. That and um, that didn't go south either. And that... it
1: did not go south. In fact, um, I met my husband there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, who has literally put my faith back in men and kept me like centered. And we've been married for twenty years now. Wow.
0: And yeah, and you have John. Your we son have John. John. My yeah,
1: my miracle.
0: Yeah, which is how we met. Yeah, yeah. You obviously, the universe was looking out for you a little bit. Yeah, it, it clearly was, right?
1: Yeah, he, it was definitely setting me up for. You've been through this. But I'm going to give you, this for
0: making it through. It's like here's your opportunity. Yeah. To keep going.
1: hmm Like I'm going to give you a reason to,
0: live. I love that. So when, so this, I'm kind of jumping forward, but I'm, because just since the incident, we'll call it the, the you know, the perceived fell. the incident happened. Um, because when I first talked to you about this, it was about, it was about three years ago and it had just happened, right? Mm-hmm. And it was so fresh and raw. I remember that. And then to think about how that situation made you pivot into what you're doing now. It's so amazing. So let's go back to that point. All right. So. You had started getting jobs. You were good at it. You were good at doing bookkeeping and accounting. And I know because we had talked about talked about this, the issue or the detail of you not having your GED didn't really come up at first because you were getting promoted, right? Mm-hmm. You were good at what you were doing, so they just kept promoting you, so you didn't have to provide that information. Yeah. Uh, and then again, like you said, they said, well, did did you graduate? And you just marked yes, mm-hmm. and you didn't say you had a diploma in mm-hmm. that. But I remember you telling me, you that little thing always was sitting on your shoulder and you kept looking over your shoulder like every time you filled out an application or every time you got promoted or every time you met somebody about a job it was always the dreaded thing are they going to ask me if i have my ged Mm -hmm. or my diploma right
1: well even my husband my husband knew right and all the time he was like just go get it i got mine in english and spanish you know like that's that's always my excuse like you're just way smarter than me which
0: is ridiculous i'm going to stop you because you're (laughs) so, so brilliant and you know that I know, but I was so scared.
1: I was so scared. And what were you afraid of? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what, actually, it is very hard. You know, thinking about doing and helping your kids with their schoolwork. You know, I feel like if I had to get tested to get my GED, I feel like I'm a pretty smart cookie. I don't think I would pass it. I don't know. I just have that fear, right? Yeah. and I'm, you know, I have that fear when I go to the DMV and I have to take my test because yep. I can't drive. Um, <laughs> I do drive, but shouldn't be driving. Go. So let's talk about the moment where it all switched, it turned for you, okay. where you had to pivot. Okay. And so, I remember you had talked to me about you had just got a job mm-hmm. that you're really interested in working for the company. Yeah. Right. So, let's talk about that. I had managed
1: several different banks, not only just with two different companies, but I was different branch managers in different locations for different companies and I worked my way through the ranks I had different levels positions moved my way up in the accounting fields as well very strong resume so when this happened I had left my accounting job to help a family out of a friend who had was killed by her boyfriend um on the block of my street what yeah. So I had, I had left my job to help this family out. And then when it was time to get back into working for a company, I had applied to uh, become a telephone operator for a hospital. I was a reference of somebody who worked there. It was a shoe in. I I had the position. They called me, they offered it. I had the offer letter in my email box all I had to do was produce a GD or diploma. Never once ever have I ever had to produce this. And you would think that, if anything, banking to be a branch manager, you'd have to produce that, not to be a telephone operator. Like here I am thinking, wow, I can't even, I'm not even qualified to pick up a phone.
0: Well, why were you doing that? Why? Because to me it seems like that's a step backwards for you. Were you doing it because you just wanted to work for the company, or why were you taking that job?
1: Well, it was basically just to get back in,
0: and... And just getting back into kind of the public sector from Mm -hmm. working as a caregiver. So what happened with that when they asked you um, to tell them where you got your GED, what, high school? I told them that I didn't have it,
1: and they said that we're revoking our offer.
0: You had already told everybody that you were going to be starting, and everyone knew, and you were all excited. And so where were you when they told you? I mean, what, what was, do you remember the moment?
1: I was at home, and I would just couldn't help but think how much of a failure I was. I'm licensed, I'm bonded, right? And I can't answer a phone. I remember crying, like I was going through all the emotions. I cannot believe that this piece of paper is holding me back. From answering the phone. I got on the horn. I was like, how do I get my GED today? <laughs> you know? I remember just going through everything, sitting there all day long, hours, looking online. How to get my GD. I was like, now I have to because this has been haunting me, literally eating away at me for so long. I always told my son, "Don't be like me. You have to, you have to graduate. You have to get your GED. You have to do one or the other. Don't be like me." And I just didn't want him to follow the same path. Either way, like he was, he never had any of the issues that I had. He had food, he had clothes, everything. Right? Don't You're a fall great in the. Mom. Don't Everyone fall in knows the same path.
0: Knows that you are a fantastic mom, mom well, to your son.
1: I had yeah. to make sure of it,
0: it's and a I had helicopter to. Parent. <laughs> I was going to say, but no, your son is very well taken care of, and you make sure that he's safe, and he's he's a very good kid. Yeah. yeah.
1: I didn't have an option. I had to go by the seat of my pants. You know, I didn't have, like, a role model or anything. It was just like, this was done. I had to do the complete opposite. You know what I mean? It was like, that's how I parented.
0: So, So let's go back to that phone call when mm-hmm. they called you and they said, we're revoking our our job offer and you can't work here. And you went through that where you were looking, you know, online and trying Mm -hmm. to find a place to go. What became the final solution for you?
1: Well, it was 7.15. I remember the time. 7.15 at night, I found a website um, for HopeLink that HopeLink provides GED. And so I clicked on it. I filled out an online form. I called and I've said... I need my GED, here's what's happening, I have no other options, I'm struggling, I please call me, I'm lost. 7.30 at night, the instructor of the GED program calls me and she says, come and see me next Tuesday. So I went and saw her next Tuesday, I filled out a pretest to see where I'm at and she got me into classes right away.
0: Did she say, oh my God, you're incredibly smart? Not at first. <laughs>
1: Not at first.
0: Yeah, why is this a problem for you? Yeah.
1: When we talked on the phone, you know, she's like, I want people in my class for a year. And I said, I don't want to take a year. I want to get in and out as soon as possible. And she says, I will make an exception for you. I went through, in one week, I went through two math workbooks. And she was like, wow. Wow. You're done already? I was
0: like, "Yep, here's my." Yeah. Here's my work. You know, I remember that because mm-hmm. we were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like you were keeping me ab- you know abreast of all your your progress. But I also remember you started posting this on Facebook mm-hmm. because you were excited. Yeah. It's like you decided you did the pivot. Mm-hmm. You decided you weren't going to have this issue ever again. It was yep. never going to come up again in your life and you started posting on social media about your progress. Yeah. And I remember that about the workbooks and you were very proud of yourself, right? And then you kept telling, you know, through your whole, the whole progress of that thing about, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. This is so hard. And then like, oh, I got an A plus. Oh, that wasn't so hard. And then the next one was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm not sleeping. All I'm doing is studying and I'm trying to work. And like, oh, look at that. I got an A+. Okay. And then you kept moving. And it was exciting. I was so excited for you. Yeah. How did it affect, you know, your husband and your son? And, you know, I'm sure they were very excited that this was happening.
1: Yeah. I ended up passing all of my tests with um, flying colors, got my GED, they were, they both came to my graduation with flowers in the whole mine. It was yeah. so exciting.
0: How long did it take you to get your diploma? How long did you do it? Did you stay, end up staying for a full year? No. Mm-mm. How long was it?
1: I want to say maybe like five or six months. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I
0: don't, it wasn't that long. And so then you graduated. hmm And they came to your graduation. Yeah. And you had a real graduation.
1: I had a real graduation. Just like
0: if you were 17 or 18.
1: I yeah. walked... I walked on stage, got my diploma. It was that was really... so
0: exciting. That was like a milestone moment.
1: Yeah, and I almost didn't do it. I almost didn't walk on stage. Why? I don't know. Because you're an introvert. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, mm, well, maybe not for me. But then I was like, you know what? I never got to do
0: it. And that's one thing, too. I mean, we'll talk about this as we go to, to the journey that it took for you to get here. One thing that I noticed about you on the journey from basically the graduation moving forward to where you're sitting now, you always have great ideas and you're always the first to laugh and but you're also, you're an observer and you kind of sit back and you're part of the conversation, but you don't really vocalize and you just wait for everyone else to lead it, right? Mm-hmm. And that is one of the biggest changes that I've noticed in you. You don't wait for others to lead and you don't worry about um, bringing your opinion and leaning into the table. Yeah. It, is a, it is a huge difference. I know that yeah. you, you, know, you know where you've grown, mm-hmm. but it's from the outside, my point of view of seeing from where I first met you, you know, I think it is amazing. Talk about the the progress that you made from just getting your GED and to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And let's also talk about your, um, your wins and celebrations with Hopelink and okay. what just connecting with your instructor and actually serendipity connected you with Hope Link at all. Okay. And let's talk about what how that changed your life.
1: <clears throat> okay. Um, so
0: <laughs> we forgot where we were. No. So let's That was go. a lot to, yeah, to a digest. Lot. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> let's talk about when you got your uh, diploma and you graduated. What happened after that?
1: Okay. At the class, with the class at Hopelink, they set you up with counselors to um, get you enrolled with college. So I got enrolled. I got a plan in place for the next, you know, three or four years. Basically, all all my classes aligned and everything.
0: And what were you doing? I mean, what degree were you going for? Accounting. Accounting.
1: Associates in accounting.
0: Okay. So let's talk about how school's going, because I know that you've had some achievements mm-hmm. happen just in, in the, the last couple of years that you've been um, starting on your journey.
1: Yeah, so right now I have a Certificate of Achievement and a Bookkeeping Certificate, and then in two quarters from now I will have, a, I think it's a accounting Prep Certificate, and then the next one will be the Associate's Degree.
0: That's amazing. And when is it, when are you slated to graduate and get that?
1: Um, I just counted the classes, and I'm only taking one to two classes a quarter, so it'll be in two years or less.
0: Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. From where you were sitting, you know, and and having that phone call, and saying I'm never going to put myself through this again, and all you were thinking about is getting your GED. Yeah. And now you're looking at getting your associate's degree, yeah. and you already have some certificates. Yeah. You've had some personal achievements in um, the HopeLink community, Mm -hmm. right? So talk about how that whole process evolved as well.
1: Yeah, so in my GED classes, my teacher and I ended up getting pretty close and I was telling her about all the work that I do in my community. I depended a lot on my neighbors for food or for clothes or whatnot, so I try and be that person to every single one of my neighbors, whether it's in my direct community or people just in Bellevue in general. And so I try and do that for everybody. And, you know, there's a group that I'm involved in that we do that for free and we give stuff away for free and we provide clothing, food, and whatever is needed for people in my community. I spearhead that, basically. So I was telling her about that. And, you know, I was telling her about how we provided needs for people, of, for one of the hurricanes that hit Texas a few years back. I remember when you were doing that. Yeah. It ended up that she nominated me to be on the board for Hopelink. Uh, so a board of directors for Hopelink.
0: Can you thing believe you, it? I, I can't. I remember when you called me about that. I can't. And I was like, What? And you said, "I go for the board, like the actual board, or are you working with one of the community community subboards?" And you're like, "No, for the board of directors. I know. I've been nominated. I that know. It was very. It was so thrilling. I yeah. know. But it didn't stop there.
1: No. Yeah. yeah. Just got my G.D. I was um, still not feeling like living in the shoes of, of yeah. who
0: you were. Who you were. Yeah. And who you I had was become. still f-
1: yeah. feeling very self-conscious, less than. Yeah, you know, you know, you're in this room of CEOs and very intelligent executives, executives and community members and very bright people. I know,
0: but they, you were there for a reason. <laughs> I was there for a reason. Yeah, because your your friend, your sponsor. Well, she wasn't your sponsor. She was your instructor. Mm-hmm. She saw something in you. Yeah, that was bright and shiny. Yeah, and it, not just not just for women, you know, men and women, but I think it's very important for women in a certain position as they're moving up that they reach their hands out and they lift up the women behind them. Mm -hmm. And you are very lucky that she became your mentor and she was in your life. Again, the universe works in mysterious ways and you know, somebody was looking out for you, right?
1: Yeah. Hopelink's board is a trifecta board. So they have community members, they have client members, and then they have elected officials. So I'm I'm the client member, right? So I bring that perspective of a client, which they need.
0: Yeah. They
1: need that client perspective.
0: But client services, as in you're using their their services, mm-hmm. right? You're going through their programs, and so you have that point of view to, yeah. to lend. Yeah. yeah. That's very smart. Yeah. So you started on the board. Mm-hmm. I remember we had a moment where we were talking about dresses and clothes, yeah. about what you were going to wear to some of the events. Yeah. So once you were on the board... What kind of opportunities did that open up for you?
1: Yes, so recently we had a welcome home luncheon that was our first since three years that we were able to do in person. Um, There was 1,500 people there, and I was asked to speak at it.
0: It was pretty amazing. Yes. It was a very excited crowd. It was a huge luncheon, and I was so nervous for you. But I have to tell you, As an introvert, you were so calm and you were, this was even before you went up to speak. So talk to us about that and how you felt.
1: Yeah, I, inside I was really nervous about tripping on stage. I was really nervous about making sure that I had the right energy for it. I really wanted to get my point across of, you know, how much they helped me, getting me through my GED and helping me through my process because that was a big part of the ask speech that I was asked to do. Overall, I think that it went really well for me. I think that, you know, I didn't have very many hiccups.
0: Oh, you were great. Um, you were literally fantastic. You walked on there. You had like one minute of hesitation where I think you were adjusting. And then you told your story, and it's like you've been up on the stage forever. It was <laughs> I was really amazed. And I was thinking about that when I was watching you. I was like, if she had known as that 14, 15, 16-year-old and as that, you know, starting out on that first job, and then when you were sitting at your house crying because you did not get that job, Mm -hmm. if you had known where you were going to be and that you were on the stage, you know, in front yeah. of 1,500 people talking about your experience. And especially with an amazing, tell. you know, tell us who was there too. The guest star or the guest speaker.
1: Tracy Ellis Ross. I know. She was amazing. Yeah, she was so great. And She's you were sharing so the
0: stage. That was pretty amazing. Yeah.
1: You know, it's really hard to believe that when I look back, even where I was 3, 4, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I never would have thought at this point in my life was where I would be. It's hard for me to fathom that I could be where I'm at, at now. There's so many things that I never thought that I could achieve. And there's so many things that, you know, even to this day, as I tell my story, I look at it as a survival story, right? Just for myself. It, it's not inspiring. It's just I needed to do it. And as I tell my story, even to you, you're like, this needs to be told. And I don't see myself as an inspiration. I see myself as fight or flight. And so it's, it's nice to be able to see myself in a different light. It's no longer a fight or flight. It's a story that needs to be out there. It's a story that can help others grow, can help them get past feeling less than to, you know what, you can sit at the table because you are valued. And that's something that I never felt before until I started talking about where I was and where I have been. But now I can sit at a table and I can start to talk and feel like my opinions are valued because when I do talk, people are listening. When you look at people who are educated, you still feel less than, right? Before, when you come to a table and you look around the table, you're gauging.
0: You're assuming that there's a certain perception yep. that people have of you. Yeah. And most times that is absolutely nothing to do with anybody else's perception but mm-hmm. how you view yourself. Yeah, You know, Brené Brown, who I love, talks about how people carry around shame, and shame is different than guilt, right? Yeah, And shame holds pe- more people back than almost anything else.
1: It's 100% and, true.
0: 100%, and the shame becomes a monster. Yeah. And our own feelings about our being less than or our fear that somebody else is gonna know and a lot of times they don't know unless you start to share it. That holds us back more than anything and we hide from it. And we don't go after opportunities or we don't, you know, try to make ourselves better because we're so afraid someone's going to find out. Actually, when you start telling your story and people are listening and you start hearing back what people feel about you and how happy they are and how honored they are that you shared their story, your story with yeah. them, that just opens you up even more. Yeah. And I think that you know, thank goodness you got that phone call and they said, we have to revoke our job offer. Who knows how long it would have taken for you to even maybe even get your GED or if you would have gotten it at all, right? Yeah. And it's not that you have a GED now, it's the process that you went through to get it that changed you and made you pivot. Yeah. And think about all the things that you've achieved and are still going to achieve because, you know, your star has been rising nonstop um, it's amazing how fast you've kind of gotten involved in different communities and people are looking up to you. I mean, it's, it's amazing how fast, just like three years, this is all happening. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what's going to happen in the next couple of years, right? Yeah. So think about that, like where you're going. What sort of inspiration or words of inspiration would you tell somebody as a teenager who is having to make the decision about staying in an abusive situation And then also, what would you tell somebody who is our age or, you know, a couple of years, you know, 10 years younger, who is struggling to do the thing and maybe isn't, because I found that with the things that I've overcome, I'm now, I'm not risk averse anymore. I'm going to finally take that risk and I'm going to see what happens. But there are a lot of people that their shame, their guilt, their fears hold them back, Mm -hmm. right? What would you say to that person to just say, finally take the leap?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially for young people, if they're in abusive relationships or abusive situations, get out. You have plenty of time in your life to fix it and have time to turn around, time to grow, and time to change things.
0: But what if the situation they're leaving, they're moving into, is just as scary as the one that they're leaving, which was yours? Save yourself.
1: Save yourself. You have to think of yourself. There's always going to be times where... One situation is going to lead to another situation, which is going to lead to another situation. I've been in many of those where it's one after another, after another, after another, and you feel like you're snowballing and you feel like it's just overwhelming. And why are you still here? And you just don't want to be here anymore. And then there's a path that opens up and it will come. You just have to have faith and it will come, but it's going to take a bad turn after a bad turn after a bad turn. It's not an easy route, especially when you come to expect something, or you know you're you, you look for something, or if you're in abuse and you know abuse knows abuse, right? So when you when you're in abusive relationships and then you you find another one and you find another one, it seems like that's all you find. For me, it was. A cleanse. I'm not, I'm just going to be by myself for the rest of my life. Like, I wasn't ever going to go with another person ever.
0: Did you think you would ever get married and have children? No. Yeah.
1: I swore it off. I never wanted children. I never wanted anything. I was absolutely done.
0: Wow. And look where you are now. Mm -hmm. So, what about, what would you say to the person who is was in your position and they're they're just, they know they need to move forward and they can't, or they're afraid. Like, what words of inspiration would you give that person?
1: I would say find a good support system. And if you don't have one, I didn't, find yourself. Because in the end, if you don't have anybody, you have yourself. And sometimes that's all you need because when you're in when you're in a bad situation for me it was my ex-boyfriend right he was very much controlling i didn't have i didn't have any friends i didn't have any anybody because he didn't let me right so sometimes all you have is yourself all you have to pick up is yourself and so you have to find that deep down you know when when my stepfamily and all them all they did was belittle me Right? You have to learn to turn that off and be like, they're not happy with themselves. It doesn't mean that I have to take it. You have to bring yourself up.
0: You know, I've found in, in all the stories that women in your position have told me, the change happens for them when they finally decide, and it's very hard when you have children. Mm-hmm. They realize that unless they save themselves and put themselves first, and get themselves out of the situation, they can't save their children either. Yeah, It is so hard to come to that. And what I found from the stories that people have told me that it's almost like you have that, you know, as Oprah says, you have that aha moment mm-hmm. or for some reason, this moment is different than anything and you realize, okay, this is it. Yeah. I've had enough. And it sounds like you were in that position. Yeah. yeah. Sheree, thank you so much for coming here today and telling us your story. I know it was a big deal. I think that you were incredibly brave to put it out there because now everyone's going to know it. Yeah. Right? And I just wanted to let you know, I know you don't think that you're very inspiring. You said that a couple times, but I think you're amazingly inspiring. And I know that there are going to be people out there who are going to, who need some motivation. Yeah. They need to get unstuck. And I'm hoping that when they hear your story, something about it clicks with them and they're ready to kind of take that risk and start their own journey. So yeah. that is my hope with your story. Yeah, and- I
1: hope so too. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for putting it out there.
0: If you have a story that needs to be told, send us an email at contact at If we think it's a good fit, we'll reach out. This episode of My Best Fail was filmed in our studio and created by... Director of Photography, James Winters. Editor, Aaron Carlson. Sound, Brian Binning. Gaffer, Billy Miller. Technical Producer, Jessica Milanis. Makeup artist, Marissa Loya. And catering provided by Sarah Bailey.